Good morning. So nice to see you all. So earlier this week, I opened uh, an article that a friend sent me about the war in Ukraine. And it was very early, and the house was silent, and the neighborhood was silent. And suddenly, I, I was reading this difficult article, and I started to hear this just really loud noise in the neighborhood of some machine that I couldn't place. So I decided to uh, stop reading, put on my shoes and my coat, and walk down the road toward the noise. And as I went around the corner of the cul-de-sac, I saw where, where the source of the noise was coming from, and it was a, they were cutting down trees, and it was a wood chipper. So I have to tell you, in that moment, I immediately felt deep sadness. <clears throat> I watched my mind bring up images of uh, the article I had just read of the children uh, in war that I could not save. And I watched the lives of the trees being taken in front of me. At that moment, I, uh, I remembered a, something a teacher said to me long ago or actually not to me, excuse me, to a group of us. And I was in retreat, and a young man stood up, and he asked, he was really angry. He asked a question about the Gulf War. And the teacher said many things that day. But one thing really struck me. He said that instead of looking at the light's source, we only look where the rays hit the ground. And I stood there kind of transfixed on the road, um, thinking about the source of war and the source of suffering. <clears throat> There's only so much we can do to ease the suffering, which creates a feeling of helplessness. Not being able to stop the wars in our world, in our neighborhoods, in our family, in those that are closest to us. It's very difficult to be unable to take pain away, sickness away, addiction away, suffering away. Reverend Park, um, who's our teacher, one of our teachers, recently said, even our spiritual teachers cannot reach in and grab our hearts to transfer the Dharma to us. They can't take our ignorance away. The great Buddhist master, teacher, activist, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh once said that we often think of peace as the absence of war, that if powerful countries would reduce their weapon arsenals, we could have peace. But if we look deeply into the weapons we see our own minds, our own prejudices, fears, and ignorance. Even if we transport all the bombs to the moon, the roots of war and the roots of bombs are still there in our hearts and minds. And sooner or later, we will make new bombs to work for peace 
is to uproot war from ourselves and from the hearts of men and women. Twenty six hundred years ago, about Shakyamuni Buddha attained enlightenment and woke to this truth. He awakened to his to our true nature, understanding the truth of dependent origination, of selflessness. We are empty of a separate self, which means looking at our one Buddhist tradition, we are dependent upon the four graces for our existence. We are dependent upon the grace of heaven and earth, which among other things is we are dependent upon the air we breathe, the earth we walk on for our existence. We are dependent upon the grace of parents, those that gave birth to us, those that raised us, and our spiritual parents. We are dependent upon fellow beings. And if we just think of the dozens of beings that it takes just for us to have one single meal, it's incredible. The countless humans and animals and insects and elements. And the grace of laws, we are dependent upon the law of cause and effect, karmic law, and our secular law, the laws that keep us working as a community together, those laws that we've agreed upon. So without the stars, the elements of the stars run through our veins, we would not have a human life. Without the earth, we would not have this human life without the sun, the water, beings, and so on. Which means that there is not one moment when we are separate, and thereby not one moment when we are not, by our very breath, a blessing and blessed. So when the Buddha awakened to this truth, he chose to give us a guide so we could wake too. This is the teaching, his first sermon, the turning of the Dharma wheel, which is the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. So today I just want to look at the first noble truth, which says that all life is suffering or dissatisfaction. It's called dukkha. And this is, this is really difficult to hear, I think. It's a cause for much controversy and misunderstanding in Buddhism. So if we change the statement into a question, we may ask, what is the noble truth of suffering itself? And this is important to ask, because this is the teaching that paves the pathway so we can walk easily. Buddha asks us here to see reality as it is. I want to tell you a story. Years ago, I worked in St. Peter's Hospital in Albany. And one night, a woman was brought in. She was quite young, but she suffered from a disease that kept her a prisoner in her own body. 
while her mental faculties were fine, her physical condition was poor. She could not communicate well. She had feeding tubes. She was quadriplegic. She lived in a nursing home, and because of her condition, any time she had even the slightest cold, she had to be brought in for specialized care. And that night was simply routine. She just had a cold, nothing more than that. So I took her vitals, her blood pressure, temperature, made her comfortable, and I left the room to go talk to the head nurse. I went to talk to the head nurse because I could not understand the world when I looked at her. I couldn't. And I said to the head nurse, I said, how does she live this way? And what the nurse said to me was really surprising. She said, we think she holds on for her father. He loves her so much that we think she can't let go because of that. And I, I took a breath. And I slowly, there was, we had a 44-bed unit, so it was a pretty big unit. I slowly walked around the unit till I got back to her room. And I went inside her room, and I felt compelled to pull up a chair and hold her hand. And I made a choice in that moment. And I said to her, it's okay. You can let go now. Your dad will be okay, I promise. He'll be all right. It will, it will be all right. And after some time, I got up and I left the room. And not five minutes after I left, she coded and died. Did she die of a simple cold? Or did she die because she didn't need to suffer anymore? Because she didn't need to hold on anymore? Because it was going to be okay? When we are faced with the question, what is the nobility of suffering? We are asked just to see it clearly. That's all. Is suffering the problem? What is its function? When Buddha offers all life is suffering, how do we understand that? We experience this human life through our six sense organs. Suffering is an effect of clinging to those experiences, of wanting more or having aversion. And of course, my words right now are not to make light of suffering and pain. We can all agree that we don't ever want to do that. Buddha agreed with that, and Master Sodasan agreed with that. <clears throat> no one wants to suffer. But Buddha points to this and says, and asks us to try to look beyond, try to look a little bit closer. He asks us to see our own nobility. Because suffering is our companion. 
is not bad or good. Instead, it is simply our human built-in reminder that our bodies are out of balance or our minds are in the dark. Suffering reminds us when we are pulled by our discrimination, attachments, desires, or ignorance, and it stays with us as long as we need it to. Buddha didn't stop there. He said, okay, so if you can see this to be true, then you are ready to see a way out. So we don't have time right now to talk about all of the, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. But when we come back to the main question, I want to ask, with this understanding of suffering, what matters? How do we uproot the war at its source? How do we uproot the war in our own minds? In our practice, we have, as Master Sodasan would say, perfectly precise guidance. And I agree. We have our threefold, what's called our threefold practice, which is cultivation, which is our meditation, our concentration practice, our inquiry learning about the world, gaining wisdom, and choice and action, our sound, wise choice in the moment that we're in, our compassionate choice. That's our practice. So I want to offer you two personal things about this. And the first one is that I have hit many crossroads, many bumps and, uh, in, this, in my practice. And there are always times when doubt arises. It's like, some of you may have had this experience where the practice is fine. It's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. You know the cartoons, you're walking down the road, everything's fine, someone drops a piano on your head? You know this one? (laughs) It's funny to me. (laughs) But that's what happens. Where did it come from? Why am I having all these questions? Why do I have doubt about my teachers, about my practice, about my tradition, about... Where do these difficult hurdles come from? And this is where there's an intertwining of the war in our minds with the practice itself. It's important to notice this and to talk about it, I think. So in these moments, all that matters is our practice. It's just you and the time you sit. That's it. So not when, where, why, how we sit, just that we don't walk away. Because the other side of those obstacles is freedom. The other side of the source of war is freedom. Nobility. And this is how we wake up, a little bit at a time, a little bit, a little bit. One step at a time. And the very last thing I want to say goes to choice and action. And tomorrow is Monday. That's what we call it. We call it Monday. And I want to rename Monday. I want to call it Mindfulness Monday. So together, we can have an opportunity to embrace practice and action. To live one day. Just to try this. One day with complete compassion 
one day when we don't have to be right. One day when we don't have to be so comfortable all the time. You know, the other, other people think they're right too. It doesn't really work. One day when we don't worry what everybody else is doing. We just have our hearts open. One day when the weather is just the weather. That's it. Each footstep is something to be grateful for. As Master Sodasan says, one day when every image is a Buddha image and every act is a Buddha offering, if we set our intentions, it's not more complicated than this. Enlightenment is not more complicated than this. This is when we make an effort daily in each moment that we're in to see beyond our senses, beyond our own egoic arising mind. Then the pathway becomes the blood that runs through our veins. It's no longer separate. Our practice is our practice in all moments. This is when all dharmas, all dharmas and teachings return to their source, just as every drop of blood returns to the heart. It comes home. So originally we may say that our minds are the source of war, or excuse me, we may say our minds are the source of war, but it, it's not originally. Our minds are not the source of war. They are the source of natural and unconditional limitlessness. They are the source of wholehearted compassion without discrimination, delusion, wrongdoing. So I hope together we'll begin tomorrow morning and stop the war, the continuum of wars. Not just the war in Ukraine, but the unending war. Thank you.